What is up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of Roll for Persuasion, your quasi-weekly nerdy show where I talk to nerdy people about the cool nerdy things they do. Um, As many of you know, this is really just an excuse literally for me to talk to people that I admire and think are doing awesome things. And I have one of those people with me here today. We will get to her in just a moment. Before we do a little quick bit of business, it is very important for me to remind you that this show is brought to you by Hero Forge, um, which is a fantastic company, which if you haven't heard of them, you should go Google them. Leave the stream right now. It's fine. You should go check them out. Hero Forge is the best platform for you to make the coolest custom miniatures for your tabletop games or just for fun. Like if you just like, like, look, I've got so many little Hero Forge goodies in front of me right now because they are fun and beautiful. But you go to Hero Forge, use their awesome custom builder to make the miniature of your dream. You can make it look however you want. They're adding new uh, races and species and classes and options and gear literally every week. And uh, a little while back, they did an awesome Kickstarter to help them make a color printing platform. They do some sort of weird alchemical wizardry where you paint it on their computer right as you're doing it digitally and then it comes to you and it looks like that i don't know how it works but it works really well and is super freaking cool so you should definitely go check out heroforge.com they support the show we appreciate them and uh, i'm sure you appreciate the very cool miniatures you can make on their very cool website so thank you to them without any further ado i'm very excited to bring in today's guest I would try and intro her, but I feel like giving a list of everything that she does and all the things that she's involved in would would take up more or less the whole stream. So I'm very excited to welcome into the show today, Becca Scott. Becca, how's it going? Andrew, it's going great. How you doing? That's what I like to hear. I'm doing, you know what? I'm doing really well. I, uh, I, I blow dried my hair today, which I've told people before is a, is a direct link between my self-esteem and whether or not I blow dried my hair. And I did. So I feel good today. You know what? I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling like it's going to be a good day. You know what? A self-care routine is the most important thing for a great day. So Um, so I'm very impressed. I barely blow dry my hair. Well, kudos. I I don't want to say that it's a frequent thing, but it did happen today. So super glad about that. Um, thank you so much for joining. I am I am legit. I've been looking forward to this date on my calendar for weeks. I'm I'm so glad that you uh, were able to make the time to come and hang out and chat about the awesome things you do. Speaking of those awesome things, give me just like the highlight overview of who who you are and what you do, like in a tiny little nutshell. Uh, Oh, God. Um, No pressure, right? Well, I have a YouTube channel called Good Time Society, and there I almost weekly post a a nice little edited board game tutorial video. Uh, We also do live streams fortnightly of Call of Cthulhu. That's been my latest pet project because. I had only GM'd a couple games here and there. I, I played D&D, but I had never um, really been a DM. And I just played Call of Cthulhu and I said, this is it. This is the one that I'm going to become a keeper of arcane lore nice. for. So my show is called The Calyx. And I usually do all female cast, kind of anthology rotating cast. So I can get in awesome, mostly actors um, and professional role players, because that's a thing right. now. <laughs> And um, uh, so that I have done interviews for Magic the Gathering arena tournaments for pro players um, and when they were in person. Which I hear is a, is a game that is more entertaining than professional sports. That's that's what I hear from people who are on That's this interview right yeah. now. Yeah. 
those people that are me that would rather watch a Magic the Gathering tournament than the Super Bowl. I dig um, it. Yep, that's that's a fact. <laughs> I also um, am pretty known in the board game world for doing the how to play videos at Geek and Sundry and Nerdist. And I also stream for Geek and Sundry and Nerdist still. And I stream for myself on twitch.tv slash the Becca Scott. Oh, gosh, I'm, I'm an actor. I do some acting on the side for fun, but um, you're not going to know me from that unless you watched a Home Depot commercial on repeat in like 2012. I'm uh, pretty <laughs> sure you are an episode of South Park on their last season, were you not? I was on an up. Op- oh, gosh, thank you for reminding me. It's, it's hard to do a resume when you um, uh, stretch yourself so sure. thin sure. <laughs> in so many different directions. Um, yes. Uh, and that is because Trey Parker, it turns out, is a huge board game nerd. And uh, we played some board games together. And he was like, you want to be on an episode? And I said, yes, sir, I do. <laughs> so, I feel like that's probably uh, so to how be like, a, a lot of that casting goes at this point in a show that's been around for 23 or 24 seasons or whatever it is. It's just like, we got the sh- part, the making of the show part down. Let's just, do you want to you do a voice? Come up here. All right, let's, let's go. You want to be in the show? Cool. Like, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, every celebrity cameo is Matt or Trey doing right. that voice. And then they have um, a couple actors that do like the actual female voices that aren't them doing a female voice. Right. Um, so so it's really just a favor to a friend. So I was very That's appreciative awesome. to get to be in South Park. That was so much fun, uh, especially because the character Sophie Gray was new girl in school. And she looked like me. She had a long red braid, which my hair is bright pink right now, but it's usually red. <laughs> and so it was very cool to see myself South Parkified. Yeah. You know, they, they used to have that like Facebook know, avatar yeah. you could do. Except mine was real. It was You, you got to take it a step further, <laughs> a mile further than any of the rest of us did. Yeah. Anyway, that, but yeah, it was just like, a, oh yeah, that did happen. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Felt like a fever dream. Yeah. So, so what I'm hearing from you is that you just have loads of downtime uh, and you don't know what to do with yourself because you just, every day you're like, it's a wide open book. What could I possibly do today? Oh gosh, that sounds like a dream life. Um, but what I did do when I gave myself a break yesterday, oh no, it's my mother-in-law and I didn't mute my phone. That's okay. That's a great uh, song. I have to call her back. <laughs> yeah, you gotta have Bob Marley on the ringtone. For sure. My daughter actually really enjoys that song. Uh that is that and the Doobie Brothers are like the constant rotation that she oh listens to as a three year old. Oh, a three year old so, with great go. taste in music. I mm. mean it's, it's with a, a podcast thing. editor for, for father. She's gotta have great audio audio skill, you know? Yeah. Yeah, she's got to really, you know, get the hi-fi set. She listens to it on vinyl, which is just how... <laughs> Your podcast? I, my, no, I wish I could. No, Doobie Bob Brothers. Marley. And Doobie literally Brothers. every day, literally every day, it's it's Daddy's Doobie Brothers. Okay, all right. Oh. Put it on. Let's spin it, like, for a year now. So that's great. I want to hang out with your three-year-old daughter. She's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah. yeah. So am I. Well, there you go. I, I'll, I would make her a social media, and she could have a following, but I'm not that kind of dad. So Don't be that dad. So when she's dead. 18, you can be a fan of hers. That's fine. Great. She can be a grown up. So, so you're doing all this stuff. You're in, you're in LA, right? I am in LA. So you're in, in, you know, the creative hub of the entertainment world. It used to feel that way. Now it just feels like everybody's in their own island of their house. But yes, very creative LA full of creative energy and creative people. So how long, how long have you been there? Goodness me. The year currently is 2021. I moved to L.A. 10 years ago, August 
2011, after graduating from University of Missouri, Kansas City, and finishing my Fringe Festival summer play, uh, we won Best of Friends, so I had to postpone my move, and the moving truck was outside in the street as I finished that final performance, hopped in the the 30-foot U-Haul. Right. Okay, maybe not 30. I don't know how long you Make it 30. Same with 60 feet. Just go with it. 800-foot U-Haul and uh, drove aqua- across the country from Kansas City, Missouri. So I'm very curious about people who move to L.A. because I think it's an incredibly brave thing to do just for anyone, not not for no reason the the cost of living out there. It's something that I thought about a lot early on, but I never had like the gumption or the idea of what I would possibly do if I did go out there. And so I'm always very curious, like what what brought was it a very like measured decision? I know a lot of people are like, I'm just going to go out there and I'll find a job. I'll do it. You know, Um, some people have a plan. Like, where were you on that spectrum? Uh, at the time, so glad you asked this question. This is a great question. Nailing at it. the time it was, I'll do whatever. I'll work in a coffee shop. I'll, I'll get a job anywhere. I don't care. I just want to live in LA. Right. Um, and looking back, it is absolutely privilege. And sure. growing up, knowing that if I fell on my face and I failed, that I could always just ask mom and dad for a plane ticket home and go live with them. You know, like I think that definitely having a support system gives you the ability to graduate from college and just say, okay, bye. I'm going to go wherever I want to go. Um, (laughs) so very grateful for that, but yeah, it definitely is, uh, uh, disregarding that aspect of it. It definitely was a, this is, I, I, uh, I see myself in a big city and I'm just going to go for it. And I don't care what I'm doing there. I just want to be in a place where uh, people are, are making things. Yeah, that's really awesome. It was theater for me all through college. And I almost moved to New York mm. um, and then moved to L.A. instead. Did, now, when you came to L.A., did you I'm assuming you probably did not have a career path of like being professionally nerdy, if you will, or like. The, being the person who's like super into games and is teaching you about games and playing games and like all this stuff. Or, or was that like, cause that wasn't even a career path. That wasn't even a career path three years ago, let it go, let alone 10 years ago. So what, what did you kind of envision happening? If you, if you'd like hit a home run going to LA, what, what were you hoping to do? Oh, movie star, baby. I wanted to act. I wanted, I mean, I still act, uh, but you know, make indie movies and be creative right. and make my own art and find collaborators, which are all things that I've gotten to do, you know, for short films and, and fun stuff like that. Um, in a couple, uh, never to be released features. Um, <laughs> but yeah, being a professional nerd was not a thing. I've always been an avid board gamer. I just have a very competitive spirit and I've always Casually done some some console gaming on the side and a little PC gaming here and there um, in that time period until I realized, like, I'm a person that um, if I can fill my time with work in any capacity, mm-hmm. I will do that. I don't know how to. It's like a, a curse of maybe too much motivation is the way I was thinking about it this morning, yeah. because that often leads to burnout. And that's the thing I'm always battling is like, OK. Slow down, Becca. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, you will kill yourself with this. Um, but uh, what was my point? Yeah. Um, uh, you didn't see yourself being professionally nerdy. You wanted to being a professional see your nerd name came up, in, about. up in lights, that whole thing. 
Yeah, I think that um, realizing that I just wanted to be involved in film led me to being a producer and an assistant director on like really small, low budget stuff. And um, I just kind of liked the vibe of a set. And um, there's some movies that I think do a really good job of portraying this weird energy where everybody's in it for 12 to 14 hours straight and you're sacrificing all like workplace normalities to make something creative. There's a new movie with um, Aubrey Plaza called Black Bear, which is a really like messed up drama movie. And it does a really, there is that um, spirit of a set sure. in there, uh, which is why I mention it. But um, after doing that, I, I was doing a, a lot of comedy and improv uh, through UCB, the Upright Citizens Brigade, which was started by Amy Poehler and three other friends, Matt, Matt and Ian. Um, and in uh, doing that, I got to produce like a post-apocalyptic comedy pilot. We wanted it to be a TV show. Yeah. And we ran a Kickstarter and Geek and Sundry found that Kickstarter and they were like, we want to own this project and we'll put in like, we'll double the budget. And so I was in charge of making that whole project happen. Oh, wow. And that's how I met geek and sundry. They were then launching a Twitch channel. And I was like, Hey, let me pitch to you. My ideas for a Twitch show. I want to do a board game show. Nobody's doing that on Twitch. It'll be awesome. Right. And they um, put me with my now dear, dear friend, Ivan Van Norman. Mm, yeah, he's been and on show we before. did this Great show team. for a long time. Did you say he's been on? Yeah, he's been on a couple times, actually. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. Oh, he's super well, then cool. you 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 love the Ivan. I, I do. I am, a, I am a fan of everything yeah. he does. Who wouldn't be? The man is incredible. Uh, another person cursed with too much motivation. <laughs> but who just started a very cool gig uh, working with the Critical Role people in the Darrington Press creating games. And I am sure once we can all hang out in person again, I something he mentioned to me he still very much wants to do is those awesome actual play things that he did with like madness and dread um getting great actors in a space and he did it with uh undeadwood yeah so big ivan fan super excited to see what he does yes yeah um yeah he's like uh he's like a god you know akin to godhood sure close as any of us can get um love it but does he have his anyway, own South yeah. Park avatar uh not yet could still happen. Never know. It could happen. But yeah, I would say the rest is history. But that is my story of how I pitched myself as a professional nerd and leaned in. <laughs> I, I wonder, and I'm sure that had they not existed, someone else would have filled the void. But, you know, we look at like the world of like gaming and nerdy entertainment today, like outside of esports, really like like board games and RPG stuff. And so many people go back to that original kind of common pool of geek and sundry. Right. Of like Felicia Day starting this uh, very awesome company that brought like minded people that has now sprung into a literal industry. And I just wonder, like, like had had that had she not done that, had that company not been there, would any of this, you know, would any of this be here or would someone else have jumped in? But it's, it's crazy the impact that's had. Wow. Yeah. I put her in the pantheon of Godhead yeah. that I just placed Ivan in. Of uh, and Will Wheaton and um, so many people that I'm very grateful to know in person that it's so bizarre to think about like uh, uh, what they started and the impact that they had and how many people's lives they touched with community and how many communities sprung up out sure. of this this um, like you know tree of tree of nerddom. Yeah, 
Yeah. I, I don't know. I never think about that part of it, but you've just blown my mind. That's what we're here to do. <laughs> well, take, take me back really quick. You mentioned that you, um, that you've always enjoyed playing board games. Oh, do you have, do you have a game that like sticks out that like when you played it, you were like, Oh, this is more than monopoly. Like, like I really like games like this. Or, or did you have an experience where you're like, man, gaming is, is super cool. And the thing I'm into, I know for some people it's like the first time I played D and D like, do you, do you have a memory like that of like, of little, little child Becca playing games? Oh, little child Becca. Um, we at my parents' house, my, my sister is actually a huge nerd. She's on the international board of go. Um, she's two years older than me and she brought home Catan. Mm. So we would play Catan. My family is a family of board gamers. Yeah. Um, I remember in college before I even know, knew of the greater world of board games, uh, I had a friend who was like, did you play board games as a kid with your family? Cause I have a theory about board game kids and we're all like, you know, connected. Like you can spot somebody in a crowd, right. um, which was just such a weird and random thing at the time that it's like, well, who, I only talk to board game kids now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, uh, I was an avid, avid scrabbler and I still mm. love word games and spelling games like spell smashers is a really fun one. I think that's from Renegade. Um, and, a, a letter tycoon is a great one. Now I can't remember who publishes that guy, but, uh, like all, all variations on scrabble. Yeah. And then there's letter jam, which is dope as well. Uh, and, uh, too many games. Um, but Catan, of course, as for most people, was very much a gateway, as was Ticket to Ride. Um, but for me, number one for many, many years was Scrabble. There's something just so like it scratches so many itches. Like like it is it is like competitive. You can you can screw other people over by like, you know, dropping like the triple word score out of nowhere. Like like it's a weirdly simple yet like super fun game and i think that's why we, yeah. we still play it but you're right that scrabble is an awesome game that's why words with friends was so freaking successful whenever they dropped that gosh what was that yeah when i was in college i think it was my first opportunity to really flex strategy mm. and like it's not that i can spell words better it's that i really uh can dig into the strategy of a two-letter word that is both a vertical and two horizontal words where you're like board control. Uh, just just yeah, board control. Yeah. And understanding like uh the other person's turn as well, what opportunities you're giving them with every move. That's awesome. At, at what point did that bridge then into like role-playing games? When when did you kind of get into that whole scene? I think Ivan was probably the first person to run a role-playing game for me. Um and then I did some offline D and D, but never lasted very long. Like most of my role playing experiences have been on a stream somewhere, oh, yeah. so, and you can find and document the whole progression. Um, but I think it came naturally because when I moved to LA, the first thing I did, I, I looked around for acting classes, and I couldn't find one I liked, and so I enrolled in improv, as I mentioned. There you go. And Improv is the same as RPG games. It's it's just you're sitting at a table and you get to describe more in a way that would be awkward if you were doing stage work yeah. and doing a scene, um, unless you were doing like a specific genre of improv where you are on a movie set and someone's allowed to be the narrator. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, I think it was just a really easy transition. And for that reason, if I'm looking for players for a one-off, I know if someone's an improviser that I can ask them, and they're gonna know exactly what to do. Yeah, yeah. They they don't necessarily need to know the rules and you know this different thing. That if they can just drop in, um, 
and play and coordinate with people. I was talking with, uh, with someone else yesterday about exactly this, that, that it's not so much when you're doing a professional stream, right. That's out there. It's not so much getting your friends together and doing a home game, unless you're critical role and you're all professional actors already. It's like yeah. knowing that you have people who can step in and show up and they know how to perform and, and work as a cohesive whole. Cause they've done that practice. Yeah. I think the best lesson I learned from improv was you look good when you make other people look good. And so being very aware of your character's relationship and making them interact with other NPC or other PCs in a way that gives somebody else something to do or like gives them a gift of an invitation of something that they're going to know how to react to is the most fun to watch um, and the most fun to do because then they're going to know how to give a gift back to you. Yeah. And, and that almost becomes part of the competition is, is how can you create that opportunity for the next person? Oh, well, I'll make the space yeah. for you and yes. And this and like, yeah, totally. And yeah. And, uh, that listening, which is always a thing I'm working on, always trying to get better at, but when you listen to what something, something, someone else says, and then you add on to it, then you're making them feel this special glowing warmth inside because they know that you heard the thing they said that they thought was cool. Um, and then also they're going to listen to what you added on top of it because it's complimenting their thing. Yeah. And now you're building something together instead of each person being their own little island of, well, my character does this. <laughs> right. And you're right. Like you have to practice that. It's so, um, I, I think the default for a lot of people, especially in like a tabletop game situation is to be thinking about what am I going to do next? Right. And so you start to tune out maybe what someone else is doing or what's happening and like learning to shut that part off and, and just trust that whatever you do next is going to be informed by what someone else is doing right now. And they're going to make space for you and your response is going to make space for another person. And so listen to what they're saying and let that inform your decision versus like siloing yourself off and like creating a mini story for yourself, right? Holds true in life. Everything you just said. Big, big facts. Um, well, I want to take a really quick second to shout out another awesome supporter of the show who happens to, uh, they were here in chat and I think they maybe had to go, but Talon and Claw is a fantastic company that I love so, so much. Uh, Anthony over at Talon Claw um, is literally making some just beautiful wooden game accessories. If you, he's launching dice trays, he just launched dice trays just for the heck of it. He put cutting boards up the other day because he made beautiful cutting boards. But regardless, you can go to talonandclaw.etsy.com and check their stuff out. Um, they make dice trays. They make dice cases. If you want beautiful uh, dice sheaths for your uh, various, I'm sure I have dice somewhere. I have dice everywhere. Hey, look, right in front of me. So if you want, if, if you got these, you got these beautiful little babies and you want to store this in a beautiful box, there you go. It's just what nerdy people have on our desks. Uh, go to yeah. talonclaw.etsy.com because Anthony is making beautiful stuff over there. Use the code RollPersuasion at checkout and save 10%. Um, but big fan of everything he's doing. He's a big fan of the show. And so we appreciate him and all the work that they're doing up on the uh, Pacific Northwest making cool shit for us to store our cool shit. So Talon and Claw, thank you. I'm definitely going to be checking out Talon and Claw. You should. They're, they're super awesome. I like supporting small creators and watching them become bigger creators. That's, you know, that whole, that whole thing that you said, which is funny. I Ivan said it when he came on is that like you shine brighter when you help others shine their brightest. And mm -hmm. like, that's what we do in the community, right? Like we all, we all grow together. So that's what we're all about on Rule for Persuasion. Ivan's, Ivan's words touch all people. I mean, it's the word of God or God, apparently. So <laughs> don't tell him I said that. He's going to be weird right now. 
Um, so tell me, because we haven't touched on it yet at all. Tell me about Good Time Society. Oh, Good Time Society. Um, Good Time Society is my production company, along with my dear, dear buddy and partner, Jake Michaels. We were like, well, it seems like stuff is kind of slowing down for us in other areas. We need to make our own thing, a place where we can invite our friends to make content and uh, find cool sponsors like your cool sponsors and yeah. um, just just start making the content we want to make with ourselves being our own bosses. And so we launched Good Time Society uh, not quite a year ago. We posted our first video last March, uh, <laughs> which was, you know, an ironic time to be starting a business. But luckily, sure. um, when it's, you know, uh, just him and me and uh, sometimes a camera guy, we can film videos in my house. And so we actually um, were able, we, we do COVID precautions when we shoot. I'm the only one that takes my mask off and I wear my mask except for when we're filming. And um, luckily everything's been safe so far, but uh, it's been, um, it's actually like gained traction faster than I thought it would. It's so mm -hmm. hard to build anything from the ground up, but sure, yeah. um, we've just been making the things we want to make, which are, a Star Trek, the next generation rewatch podcast called to boldly watch. Please, please, please listen to it wherever you find your podcasts. If, um, if I have never watched Star Trek, the next generation, should I shouldn't, obviously I should watch it, but should I listen to the podcast along with it as I am watching or should I watch the whole thing and then binge the podcast? No, it is a companion. Um, watch an episode, listen to the podcast. I try to be the one that recaps. Um, if you've seen it long ago, you could listen to it and I'll, I'll be doing recaps for you um, as we go. But we also just get into like there's so many interesting concepts in Star Trek, the next generation specifically. Um, but this is a rule for all of Star, Star Trek is the prime directive. And just this morning, I watched season three, episode four, Who Watches the Watchers? And this is the one episode, if you're going to watch one episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, season one, rocky. Season two, okay. kind of rocky. Season three, getting off to a great start. Um, there, it just has that like formulaic sitcom thing, but it breaks boundaries in a lot of ways. And okay. it was made in the early 90s, so their version of breaking boundaries sometimes has some faux pas uh, sure. of like <laughs> stereotypes, but they're often trying to break stereotypes. And there's a lot of women in color in the core cast, which, of course, we're still working to make that equity happen. Yeah. Um, and this episode in particular deals especially with the prime directive, which says uh, you are not to interfere in other other um, life forms, progression and evolution. Uh, but it is your responsibility to help if help is asked for. So it's like you can't. Hey, take a caveman society or a Bronze Age society and leap them forward in their their technological progression. But then if accidents happen and they find you or see you or you have some interaction in some way, how do you deal with those situations? Yeah. And it's a lot of um, no right answer situations, which is so interesting to watch. Yeah. I didn't mean to derail you. You were listening to everything on Good Time Society, but yeah. I'm, uh, I'm writing down to listen to your podcast. So I'm sorry, it's I can working. talk a lot. That is the, that's the point of an interview show. You make my job easier. So by all means, 
do the talking. Well, there I am talking about how important listening is. And then I'm like, geez, I can't listen if I'm talking this much. But if we're both just trying to listen to each other, this just becomes a staring contest. That sounds which like makes good for content. Great That's slow TV. Yeah. <laughs> just slowly zooms in just second by second. Yeah. I think we just found the soon the to be best show on Twitch. Probably. Um, <laughs> We, uh, so, okay, so our dream was to do board game tutorials and board game live plays, and that's been difficult because we can't get a bunch of guests together in person, so instead, we've just been playing things on Tabletop Simulator with guests every Saturday, and we're calling that Game Played Live. It's so hard to come up with a name that is, uh, doesn't have game in it, (laughs) so just give up and put game in the title of everything is what I've decided. Um... But, you know, you want to convey uh, exactly what's happening. Um, and I spelled gameplayed without the E. So if you use an apostrophe, then uh, search engine optimization will, will make us the only one that spells it weird. I don't know. It's if that's an interesting good. strategy. Yeah, yeah. It, it's we'll a strategy. It Is it the yeah. right one? We'll see. It's your strategy. Yeah. As long as you own it, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you can find either me or Jake every other Saturday, every Saturday, one of us will um, be playing a, a digital game on uh, Good Time Society on our Twitch. And then we throw it up on YouTube later. Um, and that's been wonderful. And then we've gotten to do a couple like more polished actual shoots of of games um, for for wonderful sponsors. And I'm really excited about one that's coming out Um but I don't know if I'm allowed to officially announce it yet because it's coming out oh, uh, at the end of the month. So um, there's a very fun playthrough video. And I think that uh, a tutorial is helpful if you already bought a game. But if you want to know if you should buy a game, watch a playthrough and watch. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Intuit people's actual perception. If it looks like they're having fun on their on their turns. And if it doesn't, then then don't buy the game and go watch a different video. Yeah. <laughs> so imagine a world. We'll all try to imagine a world. Free of zombie viruses, if you will. <sighs> just for a moment, let's just imagine that. It seems much closer now than it did, oh, I don't know, five or six months ago. But um, anyway, uh, imagine that. And then imagine that you were able to do, what's the next big thing you want to do with the channel and with, with the production company? Like what is the, obviously you had in-person plays that you put on hold because of, because of COVID. But what kind of, what kind of like, Big ideas are you holding on to? And as soon as the world opens back up, like you're going to spring on it if you're allowed to share. Great question. So I, I have steal. nothing new or novel except all the things that are remote. We're going to be in the same room. That's that's the idea. Um, but then again, the beauty of, of playing games online uh, is that you can play with people all over the world. So that's been a real blessing. I just said blessing unironically. That's a first for me. <laughs> It's been a real hashtag blessing. Um, I feel it, yeah. I feel guilty because I'm um, like such an introvert extrovert. Like I I get my social fix from seeing people on the internet and talking to people and connecting to people. And, you know, everybody watching probably feels the same way that we're all lucky in this being able to be plugged in life. Yeah. and that I have, you know, my husband and my best friend roommate who just moved into her own place, but was with us through all of quarantine um, and having a little like just three person bubble or sometimes a five person bubble with Jake and his wife, too. Um, was, I, I felt so lucky watching the world 
go to absolute, you know, fire pit and, and still I felt like I had, you know, a support network and got right. enough social interaction and, um, an ability to still do my job, which is crazy. So, um, racked with guilt about just, you know, watching people, uh, have to deal with it. So, you know, try to help and, and donate and, uh, promote anybody who's, who needs help. Um, so, you know, always feel free to at me and I'll signal boost it. Um, that's awesome. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah. been good. I, I, it is a dream to just run a studio space where we can just go make cool shit. Board game yeah. stuff, tabletop yeah. stuff. Yeah. That'd be super great. Another, uh, kind of like secret relief that I feel guilty about is I was traveling a lot for work, which is really fun, but hard to be away from the husband and the dog. And yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a real homebody. So, um, getting to spend a year not on airplanes was actually a real relief because it can be just physically and emotionally exhausting to travel that much. Oh yeah. I was, I was flying to LA from Texas once a month, every three weeks. That's so um, much. The young kid, like, oh man, it was, it was brutal. Um, the disappointing thing was right when things hit, I was going to fly to LA and I was going to go from L.A. to Seattle for Emerald City Comic Con, which uh, was going to be the first convention I'd ever went to. What? And then the world went. <laughs> um, but then I also didn't have to fly anymore. So I, I totally I totally feel you. And also kind of the, you know, the guilt that you mentioned of like, OK, well, I, I have not been impacted the way some other people have. So, you know, I'm lucky enough to, you know, still have a job and get to do creative things. So, you know, what can what can we do? How can we help other people in whatever way possible? And I think that. I think that all comes back to that thing of listening, right? Like we have the bandwidth to listen because, uh, you know what, we have situations that allow us to keep doing what we're doing. So how can we listen to others needs and help them out whenever possible? Hell yeah. And I could talk about politics all day, but it's not that podcast, but just grateful that there's, you never know. <laughs> that there's such widespread acceptance of stimulus and just give people money. And it looks like people are going to be getting money um, I know we have a lot of international people that listen and watch, uh, but <laughs> from countries that understand this, right. and maybe America will catch up to some of our friends in other countries that have already figured out, you just got to like make it an even playing field. Yeah. Yeah. As and, I mentioned, yeah, no, we... with the privilege, more people could move to LA and uh, play board games. Man, I like... I was just thinking every now and then I Google home costs in LA and I'm like, nope, staying right where I am. Glad there's the internet. Y'all have fun out there, but <laughs> I, I think it's undeniable. And anytime I would go out there, I would try and make a point of like, okay, who can I go uh, meet up with? I maybe met because of the show. And like, I, I don't know that you could replicate in a non pandemic world, the creative energy that is there and the ability to call your creative friend and say, Hey, what if we grabbed a camera and we did something really cool in a couple of weeks and they're like, Oh cool. I know six other people that are also, and suddenly you have like, you have, you know, this think tank that it's hard to find anywhere else. Well, you can throw a rock and find it here. Um, but there's creative communities in every town and, you know, shout out to all the creators in Kansas city. Um, without that community, I never would have felt like I had the springboard that made me feel ready for, for living in LA. But yes, exactly what you said. When the world opens up, there is this thing of just people are always doing fun projects yeah. and they're right outside. But now everybody can do it. Like There's this huge mass exodus of creators saying, actually, it's so much cheaper for me to live in Wisconsin next to my parents 
Um, so I'm actually going to do my post editing for this big company or like absolutely or whatever um, that they, I already, I had to come out to LA to get the job, but now I can go live wherever because I already right. have the job. So yeah, it's an interesting shift. Can I, can I talk about my favorite political theory? Yes, please. Okay. Cause you said that I could talk politics. You absolutely um, can. And I, I think it's really interesting. So, so basic income is my number one. I think this will change the world for the better with automation and with inequality. Mm -hmm. I just give people money and all the research shows don't put stipulation on it. Just let people do what they want with it because they know what's best for them. Don't yep. tell them what type of milk they need to buy with this money that you give them. Just let them figure it out. Um, and with moving, like, uh, do you make it, and I think this goes for minimum wage as well, do you make it different in this area of the country as in this area of the country? And no, you don't. Because to make small towns grow, you need to have the incentive of, you can live in LA and you'll get $1,000 a month, um, but it's not gonna go as far as it would in Wisconsin. So if you want it to go further, then you should move to Wisconsin. <laughs> And that's how you keep rents from going up everywhere. I am in very, very large agreement. Um, I think if we've learned one thing, it's that trickle-down economics is not an actual thing that happens because it turns out the people at the top just hold on to the money. Weird. Um, Weird how strange. people with retirement and investment strange. accounts keep putting more money in their retirement investment accounts and people who need diapers and toilet paper buy diapers and toilet paper and then that money still goes to the Koch brothers eventually. Because mm -hmm. they own all the toilet paper companies. Just let it pass through people's hands first. In fact, I'm sorry, my dad gave me a tea towel and I have to show you. Do <laughs> it, go I for it. Because I put it on the wall. Oh God, can we see? Uh, the test of our progress is not whether we add more to the abundance of those who have much. It is whether we provide enough for those who have too little. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I just thought that was pretty Solid sweet. words. Yeah. And a beautiful tea towel, really. It's a I mean, nice tea towel. Too beautiful to dry your hands with. I yeah. think you did the right move putting it up on the wall. It's a little waxy for your hand drying, I think. But uh, great for, for wall sitting. It's perfect. <laughs> I, I appreciate that this show has now pivoted to become a political uh, podcast. Sorry, you asked me to talk for long enough. No, no, it's no, going to no. go full that circle. That was serious. Yeah. I, I do, I do want to totally like skip tracks on you here, though, because um, we talked a little bit before we went on air, and then you mentioned it briefly, about Magic the Gathering. And so you, you have done, you've done like live reporting from or like hosting at like MTG like tournaments? Like, like what have you done there? Okay, so it started with, like you've said, you've played other trading card games and you've yep. never played Magic. I don't know if it's just a, nope, I've gone this long and I'm not going to, or a... No, it's that I was homeschooled in the South in the 90s, and so... I thought it was required that you play Magic then. Oh, no, no, in the 90s, that was very frowned upon. You only did Lord of the Rings and Chronicles of Narnia and Star Wars. Those were the only things that were okay. Oh, So I have okay. thousands of Star Wars uh, trading card games literally in boxes in my attic right now. But uh, no, no MTG. Oh, well, you should get Scott Gaeta, the creator of Renegade Games, on here because he can tell you everything about Star Trek, the trading card game. Um. <laughs> well, you should uh, feel free to choose contact info over. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Uh, it started off with them contacting Geek and Sundry wanting to do some how to play videos. And so I was like, that sounds awesome. I'm going to actually get to learn how to play magic uh, yeah. <laughs> as I teach it to other people. So coming from the same, you know, uh, it, it was for people who've never played magic before. Um, and then we did some more streams like that um, or, or edited videos like that. And I got very into it. And then magic asked me 
to um, uh, do my first tournament. It was at uh, PAX. Was it PAX Unplugged? It was Boston. And uh, it was yeah, Unplugged 2018. Is in Boston. Um, oh, wow. PAX Unplugged. And um, I knew the rules of magic. I've been playing some arena casually here and there. I showed up to this tournament having never watched high level play before. And I mean, they're, they're, they're sportscasters like uh, Paul Chia and Marshall Sutcliffe. These people are so talented yeah. and so I, I, not only do they know everything about magic, but they're also very good vocal performers at uh, bouncing off each other, knowing if you say someone else's name, that means that they're supposed to talk. Right, Andrew? Yes. <laughs> and um, just like, oh, I, I just... Uh, had stars in my eyes meeting these guys and being like, okay, um, what do I ask these players when they win? And I'm supposed to go up there and do like a two minute interview. Yeah. And I'm like, so you like the blue ones, huh? <laughs> um, and uh, I remember I got laughed at backstage that first tournament because um, um, instead of mono red, I called the deck red mono. <laughs> and the totally chat was thing, like, right? uh, Oh, that's some disease that magic players never want to get. <laughs> and, um, uh, but I had like stayed up all night in my hotel room, like watching uh, uh, VODs of people with these decks. And like, it's really about understanding you, you kind of need to already have played the deck to really follow exactly what's happening in the moment, even though mm -hmm. the casters are so talented, but they're not starting from square one with people. Um, and once you have played the decks, then you're you're seeing such that it becomes um, a lot of the players will play with the same decks for a standard tournament. And um, the choices are so like subtly nuanced that the tiniest little decision that one pro player may do something one way and one another way, they it, it's just like so evident um, that that becomes very char characteristic of them as a player in this minute little details in play. Yeah. And I think it made me jump into being a better player because I'd try and play their decks. Um, and, and anyway, it's just been, it's like um, um, 10 dimensional chess is how I think of magic. <laughs> okay, so, so I'm torn right now because I have two different questions I want to ask. So I want to throw something out at you because um, we're nearing the end of the show. And as people who watch uh, and listen know uh, from my Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash rule for persuasion, um, you get the zone of truth segment where I chat with my guests about fun, cool, different things they're into, uh, usually not the thing that brought them on the show. But I have been lying to... this whole time, so that's where I'll tell the truth. Okay. See, that, that is the only, yeah, it's all falsehoods up until now. That is the only place truth will happen. Um, that was, I don't know why I picked that name, but I, I said it once and I was like, well, I guess that's what it is now. I love it. D&D uh, &D spell. I think I just played a session the day before. Anyway, um, do, do you want to talk about Magic the Gathering and, and, and make that our conversation piece for the Zone of Truth segment? Mm. Or did you have something else in mind? Oh, man. I didn't, know. I didn't know I had to have an idea. Okay, if you didn't, that's fine. And if you don't want to talk about Magic, that's fine. We'll do something different. And I'll just ask my question now. Let's just make it, uh, let's talk about the Magic now. Okay. And we'll think of something new for then. Because I spilled okay. out my heart about my most intimate secret of how much of a noob I was that first time. Well, but if you watched last February's, sorry, if you watched last February's World Championship, I crushed it. 
I had been nice. watching high level play for a year and a half and I knew everything and I know all the players and all their backstories and their accolades. And um, it was like, <laughs> I'm just proud of myself for like <laughs> the night and day transformation yeah. as, a, as a magic player that helped me be a better magic caster. That's super fun. Well, then, then I'll ask, then I'll ask the question, the second question, actually. Um, because as I think back, the thing that really made me want to, um, I've always been into acting and theater and performance, but the thing that really wanted to make me like find a way to, uh, be in front of people talking about nerdy things was, um, shows like, like X play and like G4 TV, like growing up. And so, and so stuff, you know, watching shows on there of, of people going and reporting from competitive gaming, which was in its infancy at that point. Um, what, what is it about that? What, what is it that you enjoy about that? What is it about that environment that you, that you connect with or, um, that, that you just enjoy getting to go and speak to the players? Like, like, is there an energy about it? Like, what is it? I love, uh, a, a place where people celebrate intellectualism, <laughs> like, um, just celebrating the power of our minds. And I think mm. that's what games do. I mean, Many people who are not in the industry think games are for kids, and I think games are very, very much for adults, as I'm sure anybody listening to this and you agree with. Um, and I think that uh, it's important to me to be a, a woman represented in the space because um, for so long, which is it's not the case, I, I've never come up against people directly making me feel less than for being a woman. Um, but I do notice that it's, it's majority male and majority white people in these spaces. Um, and so I'm not, I'm not a person of color, but I am a woman. And so I I feel like it's, it's necessary to show myself in these spaces of things that I absolutely love. I mean, I think it's just competition and, and the intuit, like celebration of the mind that makes me love these spaces. But, um, but yeah, it is representation that makes me want to be there in person and be yeah. seen there. That's super awesome. What, what are the plans for, um, I don't know when the tournament happens, but like for the world championship or whatever this year, how are they, do you know how they're handling that with, with COVID? Are they going digital? Or are they putting it on pause? What's the deal there? They've been digital. I did interviews for just one of the tournaments, uh, digitally, but I'm always watching and always cheering on, um, uh, the incredible, incredible people. Um, and, uh, shout out if you like are a casual player of magic, please listen to good like high five hosted by my friends, Maria Bertaldi and Megan Wolf. And, um, it's like, they are improvisers and also magic casters and writers. Um, and, uh, I, I love watching all the people that are doing that and they are, they have wonderful, the Twitch is just magic. Um, and they always, uh, I think like quarterly ish, there is some sort of tournament and, um, and the new set is called time, which is super metal themed. Okay. So metal, like think hair metal, but more, um, but mixed with fantasy. And, uh, um, so yeah, just, just watching and supporting from home, but hopefully I'll get to get back in the action when, uh, when there's, they need me. That'll I'm be here. awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining. And like I said, we're going to stick around after we uh, go off Twitch. We're going to do our, our special Patreon segment. Um, but before we do that, is there anything else you wanted to uh, share or talk about? Where can people um, find you either to interact with your social media or watch things that you're in right now? How can people uh, get in touch and see what you've got going on? 
podcast to boldly watch. YouTube, Good Time Society. And you can find Good Time Society on all the social medias. And you can find me everywhere at Becca Scott. Fantastic. And for podcast listeners, we will put links to all of that in the show notes. So just uh, scroll on down there and tap those and they'll get you right where you're going. Um, but as I said, uh, we will be doing the Patreon segment here in a second. So if you would like to support this show, uh, we have supporters in chat. Fluffy, you are doing a fantastic job modding and I appreciate the hell out of you. Um, she is literally the original supporter of the show. So holds a special place in my heart. But you can go to patreon.com slash rule for persuasion. Support the show there. Um, when life is not crazy, I do extra cool things on there. When life is a little crazy, I make sure you get the bonus segment. So depending on how life is going, you'll get different stuff on there. But I appreciate everyone who supports the show there because uh, you make literally make this happen. And as much as I can, I take what I get on Patreon and I try to support other creators. So by supporting me, you're supporting the community. So thank you so, so much. And uh, thank you everyone who joined in on Twitch. It's so fun to actually get to chat on video and not just do this on audio. So I appreciate you all as well. BODs will be up on Twitch immediately and then on YouTube shortly. So whatever time period that is, please check it out. Big thanks to my guest today, Becca. I'm super excited to keep talking with you. And uh, to everyone else, please just make sure that you enjoy your games.